prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight asking that you would please bless this time as we open up your word, as we look at this passage and attempt to make application. Lord, I pray that you would please meet with us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon me at this time. Help me to say those things that you'd have me to say. Help me to not say that which is uh, which would be uh, dishonoring to you, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be able to uh, minimize distractions, to be able to focus, to learn from your word. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in 2 Samuel chapter number 10. And I want you to notice in verse number 1, the Bible says this, and it came to pass after this. And it came to pass after this. I know it's been several, a couple weeks since we were back in 2 Samuel, but if you remember in chapter 9, last time we were in 2 Samuel, we were talking about Mephibosheth. Remember that David uh, basically sought out Mephibosheth. He sought out a seed of Saul to show kindness to. And the Bible tells us here in chapter 10 and verse 1, and it came to pass after this, after he had done that with Mephibosheth and he had found him and it all worked out great. Remember that story? We went through all those different things and how it applies to our salvation. It says that the children, uh, that the king of the children of Ammon died and Hanun, his son, reigned in his stead. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanun. Because he just showed kindness to Mephibosheth and it worked out well. He just showed kindness to Mephibosheth and it turned out great. And now he's going to show kindness to Hanun who his father just died and his father had been kind to David at one point. So now David wants to be, uh, be kind to him and, and it's going to fall apart. I mean, we read the passage already. The whole thing uh, just does not work out and it doesn't work out because... Uh, there's a problem here, and I've noticed that one of the, the problems that I see here, I see in our church, I see in every church in America, I see at your workplace, I see uh, at the grocery store, I see as people driving down the road, and it's this. I've noticed in America that the skill of people skills has gone by the wayside. Today, people just do not know how to treat other people, and they don't have people skills. I wish people would go to school and learn people skills. One of these days, I'm going to preach an entire series on the subject of people skills. And, uh, but, but tonight, I want to just give you just real quickly four tips on people skills from this passage. All right? If you don't have a baby on your lap, I'd like you to write these tips down. You should have in your bulletin on the... Oh, actually, you don't have in your bulletin a, a course of the week. Just write them down somewhere, all right? You'll figure it out. But I'd like you to write, write down four tips for people skills. If you find yourself constantly fighting with people, find yourself constantly fighting with people at church, fighting people at work, fighting with your relatives, you know, it may be that you lack some people skills. And you may want to write these things down. They might help you. Here's tip number one, all right? Don't assume you know people's motives. Write that down. Don't assume you know people's motives. Here, we have David who wants to show kindness to Hanun. Now, here's what Hanun doesn't know. He does not know what took place in chapter 9 of 2 Samuel. He doesn't know about Mephibosheth. He doesn't know about the fact that David just sought out to do something kind for Mephibosheth and how well it worked out and how great it worked out and how happy Mephibosheth was and how fulfilled David was. And now he wants to try to do that again. And notice in verse 2 it says, Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanun, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness unto me. And David sent, David sent to comfort him by the hands of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. 
Ammon. So understand what's going on. David sends servants to the land of Ammon, and they're there to comfort Hanun, whose father just died. The new king, the, the, the old king died, and, and he sends him in. He's trying to be kind. He's trying to do the right thing. Look at verse 3. And the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanun, their lord. Notice what they said. Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father? That he hath sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it? Now keep your place there in 2 Samuel chapter 10. Now I want you to go with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter number 25. You're there in 2 Samuel. You're going to go past 1 and 2 Kings, past 1 and 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs. Now do me a favor. When you get to Proverbs, put a bulletin or a ribbon or a bookmark there because we're going to leave Proverbs and we're going to come right back to it. So I want you to be able to get to it quickly. Proverbs chapter 25. These men show up to comfort Hanun, and the princess said, Hey, do you really think David sent these guys out to comfort you? He says, they say to him, These guys are spies. They are here to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it. And you know what I've noticed in, in life and in ministry is that often we get ourselves into trouble when we assume that we know people's motives. Now, we may be able to identify what people do, we may be able to identify the things that are happening, but we should be careful to just assume that we know everything, we know all the sides of the story, and we know that how everything's going to be uh, going to play out. Are you there in Proverbs 25? Look at verse number 8. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 25. Proverbs is the wisdom book. It's a book meant to give us uh, 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 guidelines and helps on how to how to be uh, better people and how to have better lives. Notice what Proverbs 25, 8 says. Go not forth hastily to strive. You see that word strive there? The word strive means to contend, to debate, to chide, to argue. He says, go not forth hastily. What's hastily? Quickly. He says, don't go quickly or hastily to go argue with someone. Here's what he's saying. Take your time to try to figure out and realize what's going on and don't just think, I've got it all figured out. I know exactly why that person said this. I know why she did that. I know why he did that. Hey, do not forth, uh, go, or go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof. When thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. You know, sometimes we kind of move too quickly in judgment. Sometimes we don't take the time to try to see both sides of the story, to try to figure out what's going on. We assume and say, well, well, they did this because of this. And you don't have all the facts. And we enter into something. And then you know what happens? We're embarrassed. Our neighbor puts us to shame because we realize, oh, I didn't have all the facts. I didn't have all the clarity. I didn't understand everything that was going on. Keep your place there in Proverbs. Go to the book of James in the New Testament. James, if you start backwards from the book of Revelation and you go backwards from Revelation, you're going to have Jude, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter, and James. Jude, Revelation, Jude, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter. James, go to James chapter 1. In ministry as a pastor and my wife as a pastor's wife, Oftentimes, we are privy to people's personal information. People will come to us and ask us for advice or just let us know things about their lives. And sometimes that information is sensitive. And it's my responsibility to not just give people's information out there when they come to me in confidence. But sometimes, based on the information that I have or the information that my wife has, we have to make certain decisions in church 
in regards to certain ministries and certain things. And sometimes it may look to others like, well, I don't understand why pastor did that. Or, I don't understand why Miss Jimenez chose to do that. Or I don't understand. And, and, and we've had people come down and criticize us pretty sharply. And here's what I always think to myself. I said, if you knew what I know, you would do the exact same thing. But you're assuming you know everything. You're assuming you know my motives. You're assuming you know her motives. You're assuming, you know, you've already decided that it's just because we're mean and we're angry and we're control freaks and we're this and that. And I'm just here to tell you, don't assume that you know everything. Here's what I've learned in ministry. There's two sides to the story. There's his side, there's her side. There's her side, there's her side. There's his side, there's his side. There's their side and their side. And then somewhere in the middle is the truth. And we need to be careful not to just go forth hastily to strive, to contend, to debate. Are you there in James 1? Look at verse number 19. Notice what the Bible says. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be, don't miss this, swift, that's quick, to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. We need to be swift to hear. And sometimes we need to just close our mouths. And sometimes we need to just say, uh, I don't have all the sides yet. O- oftentimes people will come to me and-, and give me one side of the story and they'll say, Pastor, what are, we- what are you going to do about it? And I say, well, here's what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to go get the other person's side of the story. So they can tell me what you left out. Because you already told me what they're going to leave out. And let's put this puzzle together. And then I'll yell at both of you because you're both wrong. You know, or whatever. Just real, just you say, here, here's a great people skill. Don't assume you know the other people's motive. Sometimes your husband will do something, ladies. You say, well, he just did that because, hey, he may have just done that because he forgot. He may have just not been thinking. Sometimes your uh, wife, gentlemen, will do something and you'll say, well, she, I know she did that because she always. Be very careful about assuming you know exactly why people, and we should be very careful to be gracious with people, be patient with people. And here's a good, here's a good rule of thumb. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Just say, you know what? It looks like this, or my buddies over here are telling me this, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. If you want to develop good people skills, and by the way, if you want to be in ministry, you need people skills. I don't know how many times I've sat on that in that, in that uh, uh, doorway back there and shaking people's hands and, and they say the rudest things to you they don't even realize they're being rude they just have no people skills and I say well, that's how and so hey let's just be careful not to assume let's just be careful not to assume and always think that everyone's out to get us everyone has the, the, the negative intention in mind don't assume you know people's motives here you had these princes saying to this king they're saying thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father and listen to me it caused a war and it killed people and, and I wonder how many churches have split I wonder how many marriages have split I wonder how many, mar- uh, how many friendships have ended because somebody said do you really think that's what they're thinking do you really think that's what they're saying do you really think i think that they're actually and they assumed a motive that wasn't really there so tip tip number one tonight don't assume you know people's motives let me give you the second tip keep your place there in james all right you you should have your because we're going to leave james we're going to come back to it so here's where you should be you should be in second samuel you should be in uh proverbs and you should be in james we're going to come back to proverbs we're going to come back to james go back to second samuel chapter number 10 and let me give you the tip number two look at verse four 2 Samuel chapter 10 and verse number 4. Notice the first word in verse 4. Wherefore. 
Now the word wherefore means for this reason. For what reason? Because the princes had came and had assumed that they knew David's motives when they did it. And they said, thinkest thou that he's really here to comfort you? Now notice what happens in verse number 4. Wherefore Hanun took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards. Now look, in this culture, in the Bible culture, this was an extremely disrespectful thing to do. They shaved off half, half uh, their beard. Now, the American culture, some people have beards, some people don't. Um, you know, sometimes, a lot of people in our movement, you know, have beards. It's like the new thing, it's like the cool thing to have a beard. And that's fine, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know. So some of you guys say, why don't you grow a beard? Because I can. <laughs> you know, um, sometimes I remember one time, my, the way my facial hair grows, it's literally, it's just like this. And what is that called? Is that called a Fu Manchu? Is that what that's called? Or if, like, if I tried to grow a beard, it would just be like these strands just come all the way down here, you know. Be like, no, you know. And, uh, you know, my wife doesn't like that, and I think it looks funny. So, uh, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't grow it out. And, you know, it's like, you don't have to be a Baptist. You have to have a beard to be a Baptist, all right? But um, the, these men in this culture, you know, sometimes, one time somebody was, I hadn't shaved for, for like, three or four days or something. And so he's like, oh, you're trying to grow one of those trendy beards or one of those trendy goatees. And I'm like, no, it's just the only place it grows, you know? And um, anyway, so don't assume that you know where everybody's facial hair grows either. Look at verse 4. Wherefore Hanun took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. So it, these men prided themselves on their beards. I mean, they, it was a cultural thing. And he shaves off half their beards, and then he cuts their clothes down to expose their buttocks, is what the Bible says. And he sent them away, and they told it unto David. And when they told it unto David, he sent to meet them, because the men were greatly ashamed. These guys were embarrassed. I mean, it was emba- it's embarrassed to be sent. You're here, you are an ambassador for King David, and you're being sent home with half a beard and half, a, you know, half your clothes, exposing your, your nakedness, and they're ashamed, they're embarrassed, and the king said, tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown, and then return, realizing that this was kind of something embarrassing for them. And, and that shows us that it was a cultural thing for them to have a beard. Because he didn't say, shave off the rest and come home. He said, just stay till it all grows back, because they they needed to come back with the full beard. Notice verse 6. And when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David. Now, what do you expect? When they saw that they stank before David, the children of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of uh, Bethrehob and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 footmen, and the king of Mech, 1,000 men, and Ishtob, 12,000 men. Now, here's the, thing, here's the question I have for you. They, they assumed they knew King David's motives, and they were wrong. But let's say they were right. Let's say David really did send guys in to act like they were there to bring a, 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 a comfort or to, to be there to comfort them, to be there for the funeral. But really they were there to spy out the land. Here's the question I have for Hanun. Why do you have to shave off half their beard? Why do you have to you know, expose their bottoms to the world and them, send them off in shame? Here's tip number two for you. Don't go out of your way to be rude to people. Don't go out of your way to be rude to people. 
Here's the thing. If you really have a question mark, are these people good? Are these people bad? Are these people spies? Or is the fact that we're here? Because that did happen in those days. Remember when the Babylonians sent the, 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 the came and, uh, to, to the, the nation there when uh, Ezekiah was king and he showed them the land and God said, man, that was not the thing to do. You should not have done that. They came in to spy out the land. If you really thought that was the case, why not tactfully say, hey, listen, guys, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for the flowers. Thanks for the card. I appreciate you being here. But listen, you're going to have to go home now. Tell David, tell, tell David, I appreciate everything. And you know what? You guys, first thing tomorrow morning, uh, head on back home. Like, why embarrass them? Why shame them? Why be rude to them? Here, here's tip number two. Don't go out of your way to be rude to people. Do you have to... Can you go back to James? Go back to James real quickly. James, do you keep your place in James? We need to be careful, even when dealing, even when things are right, even when the motives are right, even when we understand what's going on, we need to be careful. We need to not go... I'm not saying, look, sometimes we deal with things and people just assume that we are rude. But listen, we need to be careful not to go out of our way to be rude to people. The Bible says, let your speech be always with grace. You know what always means? means all the way or always at all times. Let your speech be always with grace. Season was taught that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Are you there in James chapter 3? Look at verse number 1. James chapter 3 and verse number 1. Notice what the Bible says. James 3, 1. My brethren, be not many masters. That's talking about being the boss or being in charge. He says, you don't want to be in charge. You don't want to be the pastor. You don't want to be the, the boss. You don't want to be the leader. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Say, why will we receive the greater condemnation? For in many things we offend all. Listen, you get up here and you preach three times a week for 45 minutes to an hour for the rest of your life. You're going to say some stupid things. You're going to say something you regret. You're going to, and I'm not, sometimes people will judge preachers like everything that comes out of their mouth is the gospel. You know, everything that comes out of their mouth is like the word of God. Well, you know, 17 weeks ago, and, the, and they give you like the minute markers, you know? Like on YouTube, at the 33 minute, 32 second mark, you didn't, I'm just like, dude, you need, you, need, you need to get a life. I mean, you need a girlfriend or something, you know what I mean? Like, good night, you know? It's like, not everything we say is the word of God. But he says, look, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a, notice this, the same is a perfect man. Now what's perfect in the Bible? Mature. If you can lead people, if you can help people, if you can minister to people and talk to people and not be offending people left and right, you know what you are? A mature man. A mature woman. If every time you open your mouth somebody gets offended, you know what the problem is? It's probably you're not very mature. Notice what it says. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet even uh, they, uh, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. He's giving these examples about how you can control a, a horse, a strong animal. You control by controlling its mouth. You can control its direction. A big ship, by controlling a small helm, you can control its direction. Notice verse 5. Even so... 
In the same way, the tongue is a little member that boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it setteth on fire and it set on fire of hell. And here's the question I sometimes want to ask people, and I've never done this, but I think I'm going to start. Sometimes when people say things to me, I I, I want to just say, wait, wait, pause, just stop, time out, just just stop right there. I said one one question. Why did you have to say that? Or, why did you have to say it that way? Was the only reason for you? It's like, you know, why, why would you ever walk up to another lady in the church and say, man, it really looks like you've been gaining weight. You're another lady. Say, has that ever happened? You better believe it's happened. Pause, time out, just real quick. What was the point of that? Why would you say that? You say, well, who would ever do that? Check Facebook. I mean, you start typing away and... Listen to me. I, here's a question I have for you. If you take pleasure in jab, taking jabs at people, you know, correcting people, being mean to people, what, here's a question I have for you. What in your heart is wrong with you that you have to be rude to people to make yourself, I don't know, sp- feel spiritual like a boss or whatever it is that you get? What is the point of that? Some of you ought to stop some of you need to just get off of Facebook, what you need to do, number one. But some of you need to just, just run every post by Pastor Jimenez and let him ask you, what's the point of that? <laughs> Why do you need to post that? Why do you need to say that? Why do you have to say those things? Listen, our tongue causes so many problems. And, and, here, and sometimes it's not what we say, it's how we said it. Don't go out of your way to be rude to people. It's not needed. Don't go out of your way to attack, belittle, blast, correct other people. It's, just, it's not needed. You say, well, they were here to spy off the land. Well, you assume that, number one. But let's say it's true. Why do you have to shave off half their beard? Why do you have to cut off their garments? Why do you have to send them home in shame? Why can't you deal with them? Tight? Well, they said, okay, let's say that's true. Why do you have to blast them on Facebook? Why do you have to call them out on this? And why do you have to call them out on that? You say, well, yeah, you know, I just don't understand. If they just, look, here's what it comes down to. Our tongue is set on fire of hell. And it's the truth. And look, sometimes we need to just go out of our way to stop our tongues. To just say, you know what? How, what's the best way that I can say this? How can I say this without being rude, without being mean, without being disrespectful? Treat people the way you want to be treated is what the golden rule is. So tip number one, don't assume you know people's motives. Number two, don't go out of your way to be rude uh, to, to people. Keep, keep your, oh, go, go back to 2 Samuel. Look at verse number 7. We're going to come back to verses 7 through 11, but let's just read them so you can get the context. 2 Samuel chapter 10, look at verse number 7. And when David heard of it, so David heard of what? The man having their faces shaved off exposing their buttocks. Look at verse 7. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men. And the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array at the entering end of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah and Rehob and Ishtab and Mecca were by themselves in the field. And Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him before and behind. Now I want you to understand what's going on here, okay? They're going to fight. They're going to war. They're going to battle. Why? Because somebody assumed they knew somebody else's motives. Because somebody went out of their way to be rude, to be mean, to be ashamed, to put someone in an embarrassment situation, to be ashamed. Now they go out to this battle. Now don't, don't miss what's going on here. 
Look at verse 7 again. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the hosts of the mighty men. So he sends the men to fight. And the children of Ammon came out and put in, uh, the battle in array at the entering of the gate. What's it mean to put the battle array? They got all their soldiers together, put, spread them out to fight uh, in the entering of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah and of Rehob and of Ishtab and of Maacah were by themselves in the field. Now notice what happens here. When Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him, notice what it says, before and behind. This is the worst place you want to be in battle. The, when you go to battle, here's what you want. You want your, your group on one side, the other group on the other side, and you're facing off head to head. They were outflanked. They were surrounded. The battle was against him before and behind. This is the worst position for them to be in. Notice what it says in verse 9. He chose of all the choice men of Israel. He got the best soldiers and he put them in one group and put them in array against the Syrians. He got the best soldiers, the choice men, and put them against the toughest group, the Syrians. Notice verse 10. And the rest of the people he delivered into the hand of Abishai, his brother. This is like today in the military. You've got the regular soldier and then you've got like the special ops, you know. You've got the regular uh, arm, you know, the army, uh, the foot soldiers, and you've got the rangers, right? You, and that's basically what he's doing. He, he takes the best Soldiers makes one group of them. Says, you're going to go fight this battle. Everybody else, go fight that battle. Now notice what happens. Look at verse 10. And the rest of the people he delivered into the hand of Abishai, his brother, and he, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, if the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Uh, here's what I like about Joab. You know what's not an option? Lose. He's like, it might not go well for you. I'll come help you. It might not go well for me. I'll come help you. But here's what was not an option. What if it goes bad for both of us? You know, he doesn't even bring that up. Look at verse 12. He says, be of good courage. Now, why would you say that? You know why you say that? Because these guys are scared. They're in a bad situation. I mean, can you think about being a military, being in a fight? You're going into battle and everywhere you look, there's bad people. There's soldiers before and behind. And then he takes the best ones and says, you come with me. You know, he takes like the special ops and says, you guys can go with me and leave all the regular fighters with you. And he knows what he says, be of good courage. Now I want you to notice this. And let us play the men. Do you see that? You ought to underline that in your Bible. Especially if you're a man. You ought to underline this. Let us play the man for our people and for the cities of our God. And the Lord do what that which seemeth him good. Let me give you uh, people's skill or t- uh, tip number three. Here's tip number three. Don't wear your heart on your sleeve. Don't wear your heart or your emotions on your sleeve. You know what Joab was saying to his brother? He's saying, listen, I know you're scared. I know this looks bad. I know you're afraid. He said, but can you just play the part of a man? Did you catch what he, just, what he said? He said, let us play the man. He said, if you can't be a man right now, if you can't be courageous, if you can't be strong, can you just pretend you're an actor and play like a strong man? Play like a courageous man. Play like someone's got it put together. And listen, you know what's a good people skill? Is to not always just let everybody know how your emotion, how you're emotionally just falling apart. Sometimes you just have to act tough. You say, I'm not tough. Then just act like it. He's saying, look, there's soldiers, don't let them see your fear. There's protesters, don't let them see you're afraid. There's things that are happening. Just play the part of men. 
And could, I, could I share a few things with you? And I know you know these. Some of you may or may not know them, or you may or may or may not know them to the to, to the extent. To some of you know more than others, but you know, several weeks ago we had this uh, big Father's Day protest where the sermon went viral. We had four hundred protesters. Can I can I tell you this? And I know you guys know this, and we were praying about it and this, but I don't think we ever gave anybody that many details. My son was having a medical problem. When we had a doctor say to us, "I there's a there's a fifty fifty chance that your son has a disease that is going to." Keep him from being able to walk in the next couple of years. She said, I'm not 100% sure. She said, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not positive, but that's what it looks like to me. We need to get him into a specialist. We need to do certain things. We have to do certain tests. And we have to wait several weeks. And every day, my wife and I are waking up and thinking, is, is, is today the day that we're, we're going to put our son in a wheelchair and he's not going to be able to walk anymore? While the protests are going on. While we have people quitting our church, while we have other people just going AWOL on us, while we have other people uh, telling us, you know, uh, all, 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 the, all, all the different problems, while, while we had some church people that weren't quitting on us, they weren't mad at us, but they were just discouraged, and they're calling my wife and saying, I need you to encourage me. They're calling me and saying, I need you to encourage me. You know, and, 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 and we're getting death threats, and we're getting this, and we're getting that. Our family's sleeping all in one room because, you know, uh, uh, we're afraid all these are going to happen. And, you know, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not, te- I'm not saying this to, 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 to lift myself up. I'm just saying this. You know what Verity Baptist Church did not need on that Sunday? Here's what they did not need. They did not need me to get up and say, I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. I, know what's go- I don't know what's going to happen. It's the world falling apart. They need somebody to stand up and just act like a man. Whether you felt it or not, whether you liked it or not, whether you're scared or not, whether you knew it was going to work out. And listen, sometimes you just have to play the part. Sometimes you just have to stand up and say, you know what? It doesn't look good right now, but let's just act tough. Okay, are you tough? Let's just act like it. Let's just play the part. You don't always have to wear your emotions on your sleeve. Listen to me. We don't always have to know when you're fighting with your spouse at church. Well, I don't tell anybody, but you sure let the whole world. You sit here, your husband's on that side. It's like, good night. I'm not talking about being a hypocrite. I'm not talking about, I'm just saying, sometimes you just fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just, you know, people are calling and saying, Pastor, you made the wrong decision. You need to do this. You need to do that. Thanks for the call. So what'd your wife do? She just came in here and smiled. Trying to encourage you ladies as much as she could. What did you do? I just came in here and smiled and tried to do the best I could with preaching and try to put it in the hands of God. I'm just trying to tell you, sometimes you get surrounded and you're fighting from within and without and everything's falling apart. You don't know how it's all going to work out. And you just play the man. Whether you feel like it or not. You just play the part. You just keep going. You say, what do you do? You just keep going soul winning. You just show up for church on Sunday morning. You show up for church on Sunday night. You show up for church on Wednesday night. You just get up and open your Bible and read like you do every other day or pray like you do every other day. You just fight the battles and you play the part and you say, well, I don't feel like it. Just act like it. Sometimes you just have to act like it. You don't have to always wear your heart or your emotions on your sleeve. Were there people that we talked to? Of course there were. Were there people that we, that we asked for prayer? And, and Of course there were. But sometimes you just have to play the part. And I just allow... See, some of you, you just allow every little thing to just wreck your world. Sometimes I want to take you and shake and just act like a man. Just act strong. I know you're not, but just act like it. Could really use you to act strong right now. I'd like to shake some of these pastors and say, I know you're not a man. Can you just act like one? 
I know you're scared. Can you just act like you got some courage? Act like you've got a backbone? Act like you've got some hair on your legs? Act like you're, you know, not scared and afraid? See, you shouldn't always assume you know people's motives. And you shouldn't always go out of your way to be rude. But you know what else? You don't always have to let people know how scared or afraid or emotional. Sometimes I sit in that chair and think to myself, I don't know how this whole thing's going to work out. So what do you do? I just do my best to come up here and preach the Bible to you and love you and pray for you and smile and try to be an encouragement as best as I can. You say, you say well, what, you know, well, that's faith. You know, the Bible says to take up the shield of faith. Above all, take the shield of faith. That ye may be able to withstand all the fiery darts of the wicked. We've been memorizing that in July, and I, I've learned to realize, you say, why, why is it that the shield of faith is that which you withstand the fiery darts of the wicked? Sometimes when you're being attacked, all you've got is faith. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know. I don't know. But I know this. I've got faith that God will take care of it. And sometimes, you know, you don't advance. Sometimes you don't go forward. Sometimes, see, when it says, having done all to stand, you know why it says that? It says that because sometimes all you can do is stand. All you can do, all you can do is build up enough courage to say, I'm going to stand. And he says, having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. She said, sometimes you don't advance, sometimes you don't go forward. Sometimes you just get up and say, I'm here. I'm standing. So are you tough? I don't know, but I'm going to act like it for my wife's sake. Are you afraid? I don't know, but I'm going to act courageous for my children's sake. Are, 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 are you, are you, do you have, I'm just going to take up faith and try to do the best I can for our church's sake. You don't wear your heart on your emotions, on your sleeve all the time. Let me give you the fourth point. Go back to verse number 6, 2 Samuel chapter 10, look at verse 6. And when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David, the children of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Bethrehob and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 footmen, and the king of Maacah, a thousand men, and of Ishtab, 12,000 men. I want you to understand this. They go and hire the Syrians. They hire these people to come help them. Now, go down to verse number 13. Notice what happens. And Joab drew nigh, and the people that were with him, remember the choicest men, the special ops, unto the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. They fled before Joab. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled, then fled they also. So you got the other group, when they see that the Syrians fled, they fled also before Abishai and entered into the city. So Joab returned from the children of Ammon and came to Jerusalem. That's the end of the battle. But notice there's a round two. And when the Syrians saw that they were smitten before Israel, they gathered themselves together and had a razor sand and brought out the Syrians that were beyond the river. And they came to Helam and show back the captains of the host of Hadarezer went before them. And when it was told David, he gathered all Israel together and passed over Jordan and came to Helam. And the Syrians set themselves in array against David and fought with him. That's round two. Notice what happens. Verse 18. And the Syrians fled before Israel and David slew the men of 700 chariots of the Syrians and 40,000 horsemen and smote Shobak, the captain of their host, who died there. And when all the kings that were servants of Hadarezer saw that they were smitten before Israel, they made, notice what happens, they made peace with Israel. Who made peace with Israel? The Syrians. And notice what happens. 
the Syrians made peace with Israel and served them. They became servants of Israel, the Syrians. So the Syrians feared to help the children of Ammon anymore. Don't forget, who was the beef with? Ammon. Who was the problem with? Ammon. How did the Syrians get involved? They got involved because Ammon went and said, I know you got nothing to do with this, but you want to help us fight David? Now notice how it turned out for them. They got whooped by David. They, look, look at verse, end of verse 19, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Syrians feared the children of Ammon, uh, feared to help the children of Ammon anymore. You know what they're saying? The, the Syrians said, we're not going to get involved in Ammon's problems anymore. We were fine. We were free. We got involved in this fight, and now we're serving David. Now we're paying tribute. Now we're... Here's, here's people's skills uh, number four. Don't meddle in other people's business. Amen. Don't meddle in other people's business. Are you there? Can you get back to Proverbs real quickly? Proverbs 26. Look at verse number 17. Proverbs 26 and verse number 17. Proverbs 26 and verse 16. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. Look, we don't need to get involved in everybody else's strife. I'm the pastor of Verity Baptist Church and I rarely give people my advice unless they explicitly ask for it and even then I'm hesitant. Because you know what I've noticed? Here's what I've noticed. I never position myself between a husband and wife. Never, ever, ever. They come into my office and they're like, well, she did this and he did this. And, she, and, I'm, and if you've done that before, I'm not mad at you. Everyone has. You all have, all right? You know, everyone has problems. And, and I never take sides. You know why? Because I'm meddling in somebody else's affairs. And they're going to get all happy one day and they're going to be mad at this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, people, unless you even, you, you specifically say, Pastor, I want your advice on this situation. And even then, I walk softly. And I take my time. And I try to listen. And I try, because listen to me. The, we often get into, our, into problems when we meddle in other people's affairs. You ought to ask yourself these questions. Whenever you're about to get involved in somebody else's fight, you ought to ask yourself these questions. You, write, write these down, okay? These will help you. Ask yourself this question. Does this concern me? Does this concern me? If the answer is no, leave it alone. If it doesn't concern you, leave it alone. Here's another question I like to ask myself before I get involved in something. Is this in my area of authority? Is this in my area of authority? You know why I never walk up to a lady in this church and tell her, you're dressed like a hussy. You're dressed bad. You know why I never do that? Because they're not my wife. Praise God. Because <laughs> I'm not married to him. Now I'll preach it from the pulpit. Why? Because this is my authority. But I'm not going to tell them what to do, how they're dressed. I see some of you ladies dressed like whoever at Bel Air. I'm just going to smile and, how you doing? Good to see you. God bless you. Grab my Kit Kat and go out the door. <laughs> you know? You say, why? Because it's not, you know, I don't correct other people's children. You know why? Because I've got children. They're my authority. Your kids are not under my authority. You've got to ask yourself this question. Is this in my area of authority? If the answer is no, then leave it alone. If the answer is yes, then deal with it. Has this person asked for my opinion? That's another question you should ask. Has this person asked for my opinion? And even then, move wisely. And if the answer is no, leave it alone. Here's another one. Do I have experience that will be helpful? 
and, and I'm even careful to say that out loud. I do think that it can, if done tactfully, you know, you don't have to turn there, but Titus 2.3 says this, that the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. You know, the Bible does teach this idea that the aged women can teach the younger women how to be sober and love their husbands and love their children. There is some people that have a little more experience that can help other people, but you have to ask yourself, do I have experience that will be helpful? I remember... About a year and a half ago, we had somebody visiting our church, and there was this lady who went to this other church out of, out, out of state. She was visiting here, and uh, she was here on a Sunday morning. We had, I, I know, I remember this specifically, we had about 100 people, I think it was like 102 people in church on Sunday morning. Right now, we have like 150, 160. And this lady walks up to me after church, and she says, you know, my pastor does a, a church growth seminar where he teaches how to reach, how to grow the church through the Sunday school. And I noticed that you guys don't have Sunday school here, and you should really reach out to my pastor, and he can teach you how to grow your ministry through the Sunday school. I'm thinking to myself, well, there's no way that we're ever going to have a Sunday school. That goes against what we believe. I didn't say that to her because she didn't ask my opinion. So I just was thinking that, though. But, I, you know, I was curious. I said, well, how long has your uh, pastor been there at the church? And here what she says. She says, he's been there about four years. He started the church four years ago. And I was thinking, that's funny because we've been here about four years. So I'm like, whoa, well, maybe, I do, maybe there is some, I mean, I'm never going to start a Sunday school. Maybe there is something I can learn from this guy. I mean, he's been pastoring for four years. He's teaching church growth seminars. I mean, good night. You know, maybe there's something I can learn. So I asked the lady, well, how many of those do you guys average on a Sunday morning? She said, you know, right now we're averaging about 48. And myself, at 102 without Sunday school. Why in the world would I call your pastor, who's been pastoring as long as I am, and half as successful, and get advice from him on how to, if anything, you should be calling me. You know what I mean? Like, listen to me. Be very careful about giving advice to people when you're not even qualified to. We've had ladies walk up to my women. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just trying to help you develop some people skills. We've had women who've done no homeschooling trying to walk up to my wife and tell her how, you know, this is how you need to be doing homeschooling. You ever homeschool anybody? No. You ever successfully taught a child how to reach, how to read? No. Thanks. <laughs> Walk off. Listen to me. You've got. No, li, li, listen. You know what's funny to me? Keep keep your uh, go go to First um, Kings chapter number twenty. Let me let me show you one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You know who are the people? You know who are the marriage experts? I mean, they know everything about marriage. They can tell you what you're doing wrong, why your marriage is failing. You know who are the people that are experts at marriage? People that aren't married. People that aren't married, never been married. They're like, I know why this person's marriage is wrong. I know it's wrong. Or even worse, like they've been divorced. And I'm like, I'm not trying to offend you being been divorced. But you've been divorced. You had a marriage and it failed. And you want to give us advice about how to have a good marriage? You know what I've noticed? You know who people who are the best child rearing experts? People with no kids. I mean, people with no kids, they can tell you everything you're doing wrong with your kids. I mean, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing this. Or you ladies, I'm, like, I'm not trying to offend you. You husband, you got one baby, you're trying to tell me what to do with my four kids? Listen to me, Pastor Anderson wants to call me, Mrs. Honda wants to call my wife and say, hey, I, we've got nine kids, and you've got five kids, and let me give you some advice of things that we did when we had our fifth. If they want to call me and say that, I'm all ears, I want to hear. They've got some experience. I don't need you with your little one-year-old baby or two-year-old baby telling my wife what she's doing wrong. You understand that? I don't need you walking into Verity Baptist Church and telling me how long. People want to tell me, well, you need to do this with the church, and you need to do this with the church. Oh, really? How long have you pastored? 
How successful was your ministry? Well, you're doing this all wrong. And people tell me things, and listen to me. I'm just, I'm just here to tell you. Like, the services are too loud. They were loud when you got here. The, the, you know, the, the, the this and that, you know, I mean, your soul winning needs to be this way. It was like that when you got here. Everything that we do at Verity Baptist Church was like that. The kids ran around after the service when you got here. The fellowship was long when you got here. The pastor was ugly when you got here. It's all been the same. Nothing's changed. And people want to walk up and give you all this advice. Listen, quit meddling other people's business. You have to go around and tell everybody how they're wrong about this, they're wrong about that. This is my fa- one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You've got to memorize this in your Bible. 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse number 11. Remember Ahab? Ahab was a bad king. But there's one good story about Ahab, and it's this story. And notice what, it, what Ahab says. I love this phrase. And the king of Israel answered and said... Tell him, okay, because you got a king coming in to Ahab and saying, we're going to eat you up. We're going to eat your lunch. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. And I love Ahab's response. He says, tell him, let not him that girdeth on his harness boast himself as he that putteth it off. Did you get that? He said, let not him that girdeth on his uh, harness boast himself as he that put it off. You know what he's saying? He's saying, hey, if you're coming out of battle victorious and you're, you know, uh, and you're putting off your harness and you want to boast and brag about all, how great things were, Ahab's saying, that's fine. But don't go into battle talking smack like someone that's coming out of battle. He said, why don't you wait till your battle's done and see how it all works out? People come up to me like, well, if you're a little, you know, when my little Gilbert's 15 years old, he's going to do this. Why don't you wait till your little Gilbert's 15 years old and we'll see what happens. But don't go into battle talking like someone when you don't even know what's going to happen. You say, well, you meddle when people do that. I preach the Bible. I, I'll get up here and tell you you're supposed to spank your children. I'll get up here and tell you you're not supposed to let your kids sneak around and fornicate. I'll get up here, but you know what? I try to be really careful not to tell these moms that have teenagers how to deal with their teens. You know why? Because I don't have any. And I know this, God may have enough of a sense of humor that everything I tell people they're doing wrong, my little Gilbert may do. And you want to be very careful not to boast yourself like you're someone that's taking off his harness off. Look, you want to finish your life? You want to be retired and say, my kids were great, they served God, they did this and that. Let me tell you what you're doing wrong. When you're an aged woman, go ahead and do that. But you know what you'll do? You'll probably be a little tactful when you do it. When you're aged, you'll probably be loving and graceful. You'll probably be kind. Look, we need to be careful not just meddling everybody's business. Here's what you're doing wrong, and here's what you're doing wrong, and here's what you're doing wrong. It's like someone that takes a dog by the ears, is what the Bible says. And there's been many church splits. There's been many marriages that have ended. There's been, you know, you don't need to tell everybody, you don't have to give everybody your opinion. You don't have to talk about, you know, oh, if I was doing it, then you do it that way when you've got those kids, when you're pastoring that church, when you're homeschooling. But if they didn't ask for your opinion, leave it alone, man. I tell our ushers, I tell our ushers, and if they're not doing this, you come and tell me. I tell our ushers, if you've got, don't correct other people's children. You go to the parents, and if you have to correct them, you are never to say, hey, your little Gilbert is blah, blah, blah. Say, so why do you keep using Gilbert? Because I don't think there's a kid in our church named Gilbert. That's why. <laughs> You're a little Gilbert. You know what I tell the ushers to do? I tell the ushers to go to the parents and say, Pastor asked if no one could please play the grand piano before the service. He, he wants them. If they want to play the piano, they can play the one in the break room. 
Not, why is your kid playing the piano piano? He's got his little sticky finger. He's going to mess it all up. No, no, no. Pastor asked, hey, pastor asked if your kid could not be jumping off the baptistry. Pastor asked if your kid could not be setting fires in the break room. Pastor was wondering if your kid could stop slashing tires in the parking lot. That's what I told him to say. Why? Because they don't have the authority to go tell people what their kids. But guess who does? This guy. In this place, I can tell you, don't let your kids do X, Y, and Z. But I've told these ushers, hey, you go on my authority. And if they get mad at someone, and sometimes the moms do get mad. And they come back to me and say, well, let me tell you what they said pastor can do. You know? And then we deal with it. But listen to me. Don't meddle in other people's business. And if you don't like it, it's always been like that since we started. The door is out there. Nobody makes you stay late. Nobody makes you come early. I, I want you to come early. I want you to stay late. I want you to fellowship. I don't, you know, let me just clue you in on something. We're a family integrated church. I don't get all upset that the kids are running around after the service. You know why? Because we don't have children's church. Here's the average Baptist church. The kids get to run around all during the preaching, and then after the service, they have to sit and be still. Here's Verity Baptist Church. They sit and be still while our pastor's preaching, then they get to run around. That makes sense to me. And that's how we do things here. And I don't care how they did it wherever you went before. I don't care how they did it at your other church. If they were so great at your other church, go back. And, and let me say this while we're at it, because I've already messed up. The only guy who was reminding me, I think, went out the door or something. So let's just, let's just t- talk about it now. You know, don't come up to me and say, Pastor Anderson, I faithful word, you know, they do this and this. You like it so much, then go there. Amen. You like Pastor Merrill so much, then go there. I'm not mad at Pastor Merrill. I'm not mad at Pastor Anderson. I'm not mad at Pastor Burson. I think they're great. You love them so much, go there. Don't come tell me, well, you know, I faithful word, they do. This isn't faithful word. This is Verity Baptist Church. I don't know if you read the sign on the land. I'm just trying to explain to you that you sometimes don't need to meddle in other people. Well, at their church, look, their, their people are saying the same thing. Their church is like going up to Pastor Anderson saying, well, you know, at Verity this week, I really like that Verity, how they, and the same things you're complaining about, they're complaining on the positive side. Just quit meddling in people's business. Just don't assume you know people's motives. Just don't go out of your way to be rude to people. Just don't wear your emotions on your sleeve. Just, just don't meddle in other people's business. It's just better. It's people skills. That's why I had to have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, I know we meet.